you have your Bibles, you can turn in them to Ruth chapter 1. If you don't have your Bibles, um, the scripture we're going to be looking at is printed in your bulletin on the inside of the back cover. We're going to be looking at Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 and t- 1 to 22, although I cut out a few verses because they were kind of repetitious. And so, um, so we're going to read these verses here and then dive in. So this is Ruth chapter 1. Friends, listen. This is God's word. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you, will die, where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, bitter, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth, the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. This is God's word. So believe it or not, this story, I mean, you may be able to catch this before I explain why, but this story is a window into the Christmas story. It's the story of someone who needs God to show up in her life. Advent's first candle, it's it's the prophecy candle. And prophecies in the Bible, they're not just predictions of the future. 
Okay, prophecies in the Bible are promises about what God will do to save his people in the future. Okay, they're promises about what God will do to judge his people's enemies, those who are oppressing his people, and promises about how God will help his people to grow. And when you think about prophecies in that way, then this relates to Christmas, right? The prophecy candle in Advent isn't just that the Bible predicted that God would be born as a man, right? Christmas, though, is the celebration of the day that God would come to earth and save us, right? Not just a prediction, not just a promise, but a promise of salvation, that he would save us, that he would be with us, and that he would give us hope. Right? The story of Naomi is a picture of someone who would have missed Christmas. Right? She would have missed Christmas. Okay, Because we see first, let me look here, the first point, we see that Naomi is bitter. Okay, if you want to write something down, you can write first, Naomi is bitter. This is verses 20 and 21. She says, don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant, but call me bitter. Because the hand of God is against me. Right? She says, I had everything, but now I have nothing. I was full, and God has brought me back empty. Her family left Bethlehem in verses 1 and 2, and they went to the country of Moab. Now, presumably they were looking for food, but there's a problem with what they did. There's a problem with what, we, what they did. You can see it if you understand the geography. So let me show you the geography. Uh, there on the left, you've got a map of the promised land. Okay? And the stuff that's in green... Um, is, is the promised land. Okay, this was the land that God gave to his people. Um, it's kind of shaped roughly like California, but it's not that big. But I, when I think about California, it kind of helps me get my bearings. Um, and so uh, the, the map on the right is a blow-up version of the route that they took. And you'll see that they started in Bethlehem, right? And they went through Jerusalem, and then they went east. And then they went down to Moab. And, and the challenge here is that Moab was not part of the promised land, okay? And so what they did in taking, this, in taking this journey was they left the promised land, okay? Now, this is a detail that would have been obvious to everybody who was steeped in the ancient world. If you were an Israelite at the time and you heard that they left from Bethlehem, went to Moab, you would have thought, whoa, why are they doing that? Like, why are they doing that? There's no, Moab was outside the promised land, Moab, even worse, they were one of Israel's enemies, right? As a country, their people were corrupt. They practiced child sacrifice. They practiced oppression. Uh, and they cursed Israel. And they either tried to destroy Israel or to corrupt Israel by pulling them away from being faithful to their God. And so to go to Moab was to leave God. That's what's going on here. Um, and then in verse 3, we see that Naomi's husband dies. And then in verse 4, her sons married Moabite women. If you read this and you were an Israelite at the time, you would have been like, oh, like shocking. Like we're not supposed to do that. These people are not faithful to our God. They have other gods that they worship. They're our enemies. They want to curse us. They fight against us. You don't marry the enemy. Right? And so her sons married these Moabite women. And then verse 5, her sons died. So you'd think, oh yeah, that's what happens when you leave God. And so the bottom line here is that now Naomi has no one. 
right? This was not just death in the ancient world, but this was no hope for the future. Because one of the ways that you would live on, one of the ways that your life would last was through the, the, through the lives of your children. But now she's got no descendant, no heir. Her family would die with her. And so Naomi is bitter. And she feels abandoned by God. And thinking about it, this, this makes me ask the question, can you relate? Can you relate to Naomi? You have times in your life where you feel this way right now, where you feel bitter toward God. Maybe you feel abandoned by God. Maybe you fear that you've done something to deserve the circumstances that you're in. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you know that it's something that someone else has done to you that's put you in this place. Um, When life falls apart, we get bitter too. When our circumstances don't go the way we want them to, we get bitter and we feel like God is against us. And, uh, And bitter, being bitter, it's powerful. It is a powerful impact on our lives. And so the second point we want to see is that bitterness kills both hope and happiness. Bitterness kills hope and happiness. There's just a couple things we see that happens to Naomi in her bitterness. Uh, bitterness tempts us to hide our sin. Okay, it tempts us to hide our sin. Because in verse 6, Naomi hears that God has visited his people and given them food. And so this is good news. But if Naomi goes back, Naomi knows that she is going to have to face both her past and her present. Okay, are you with me? Um, Naomi knows that the minute that she shows up, she's going to have to acknowledge that she left God's people and God's land. Her sons married God's enemies. Right? And these were small towns. Everybody knew everyone back then. There was no hiding. When Naomi shows up, she knows that she's now coming back. She's lost her, her husband, her sons, her money, and her future. And it's worse than that because now she's coming back with two daughters-in-law from Moab. I mean, how in the world is she going to face the community? And they're going to ask, can you relate? Can you relate to this? I mean, it's interesting. Some of us even hear the promises of God. You might hear that Jesus has come to save us from our sins, that there's forgiveness with God, that there is power and strength and hope that comes when you have a relationship with God. And so you hear these promises and you're drawn to them, but then you think, wait a minute, if I begin to follow Jesus, what is he going to think? What is she going to think? What are they going to think about me? So sometimes, yeah, we can think, wait a minute, like there are barriers between us and a relationship with God. And sometimes those barriers are that we're going to have to face what we've done. We're going to have to face where we are now. Like some people think, well, this sounds great, but it's not for me because you don't know what I've done or you don't know what I'm doing now. And the challenge here, the challenge is that when we hide what we've done, when we hide from our past or our present, it actually, that actually fertilizes the bitterness in our hearts. And so bitterness, it tempts us to hide our sin. 
um, but it also tempts us to hide from others. Tempts us to hide from others. And I think that's part of what Naomi's doing here. In the midst of her bitterness, Naomi tries to get rid of her daughters-in-law. She tries to send them back. You know, presumably, this is so that she can have some more control over the story that she's going to tell the community when she gets back. If she shows back and she's alone, I mean, she doesn't have to lie, but she doesn't have to actually tell them everything that happened. You know, but if she goes back with these Moabite daughters, she will be living with a constant reminder to her and the rest of the community that her family abandoned God and his people and lived with God's enemies. And so in verse 8, she tries to send them away. She pleads with them. Um, in verses um, 10 to 13, you actually see she makes a case. Look, go back. I have nothing here for you. There's no hope for you. Um, I can't provide you with a male heir. I can't provide you with a husband. You just you go back to your homes. And I think that we can tend to do the same thing. I think when we get bitter, we can tend to isolate ourselves from others. We can tend to block people out can tend to sort of build walls and not let people in. And when we do this, I mean, bitterness is a poison. It's a poison that can take over all of your life. Uh, in the book of Hebrews, it says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. And then it says this, let no root of bitterness spring up and cause trouble. And so it talks about a root of bitterness. The idea is that bitterness is like a plant and it can plant itself into our hearts and if we don't deal with it, it will grow and it will take over and it'll bleed into every area of our lives. It causes us to hide from hide our sin from others. It'll cause us to hide from others. So, so this is Naomi. She's bitter. And she kind of teaches us and exposes the temptations, I think, that we feel toward bitterness. But what we see next, it's our third point, is that God provided more than bread for Naomi. Okay, God provided more than bread for Naomi. Orpah, verse 14, kissed her mother-in-law. And this was her way of embracing her mother-in-law and saying goodbye. So she kissed her goodbye and she left. Um, but Ruth clung to her. So Orpah agreed with Naomi and left, but Ruth, something in Ruth had changed in the 10 years that she spent living with Naomi and her family. Naomi and her family were far from perfect, but Ruth saw something in Naomi, something real about her, something real about her God. And so Ruth stayed with her. In this incredible statement of faith and commitment, Ruth shows amazing devotion both to her mother-in-law and to her God. Verses 16 and 17. Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. This is devotion. This is incredible incredible commitment and love that Ruth has for Naomi. Now, we don't know it yet in the story, but Ruth's devotion is going to be the salvation of Naomi. 
Ruth is going to save Naomi because of her devotion. But what we see here in Ruth's devotion is a powerful love that can conquer both bitterness and isolation. It conquers both bitterness and isolation. Not only for Naomi, but it's what we need. Right? We need a Ruth in our lives so that when we are bitter, someone can press in and penetrate our bitterness. And not only do we need a Ruth in our lives, but we need to be a Ruth to others. We need to be a Ruth to others, to look for opportunities, to listen to the community around us, to listen to the people family, friends, co-workers. We need to have our ears open. Remember what Titus said last week? He said, um, being ready for every good work. Right? You have a state of readiness. And that's what Ruth is here. Ruth is a call to us. We need to be ready to be a Ruth to others. Right? Looking for opportunities. Listening um, for, how our, for how the people in our community are doing. God knows that Naomi needs more than bread. God knows that Naomi is only looking for bread. And so God comes to Naomi in the form of bread that draws her back home, but then God also comes to Naomi in the form of Ruth. God, listen to this, God comes to Naomi in the form of Ruth. Ruth's devoted love is a real, tangible picture of God's own love for Naomi. And I love this. I love this. Because Naomi is out of the promised land. Naomi is out of the promises of God, and yet God comes to her. God comes to her in Ruth. And Ruth shows us the way that God loves his children when they are far away from him. And at this point, this is how this, this story becomes part of the Christmas story. Because Ruth, Ruth, her story is a picture and a preview of Jesus. Okay? So last thing, Ruth actually leads us to Christmas. Because doesn't Ruth picture Jesus? Right? When we're in despair... When we want to rid ourselves of everyone, we isolate ourselves, we cut ourselves off because we're angry, we're frustrated, we just don't want to deal with it, we feel sorry for ourselves, whatever it is. And yet, Ruth presses through and clings to Naomi because this is what God does for us. All of us, we have left his presence. All of us have opted for sinful decisions in our lives, and yet God came in Jesus and he clings to us in faithful devotion. And this is the good news. Jesus didn't just come on Christmas Day, but he came to cling to you in devoted love. What Ruth says to Naomi, Jesus says to us. Ruth said, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Jesus says, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. 
And behold, the virgin was with child. Jesus came to earth, went where we are, lived where we live. And this is Christmas. Ruth said, your people shall be my people and your God my God. Jesus said, your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. Jesus humbled himself and took on the form of a human being and experienced life as we do. He was tempted in every way like we are. And he numbered himself with sinners. He, he looked around the world that he, of his day he looked at all the different kinds of people. You had religious people. You had other kinds of people. You had political, all these different kinds of folks. And Jesus, tried, he, Jesus went and found the people who were confessing their sins and said, they're the ones I identify with. They're my people. The ones who are honest about their sin. And Jesus said, your God is my God. I, Jesus was perfectly devoted to God in his life. And he was perfectly devoted to God because he was devoted to saving us. His perfect life made him an acceptable sacrifice for our sins. Right? And that's what he says next. Because Ruth says, where you die, I will die. It's a little bit different when Jesus says it. Jesus says, where you would have died, I died. So that you don't have to die. This is where Christmas leads. The birth of Jesus leads to his perfect life, leads to his identifying with us in every way possible, and then it leads him to the cross where he gave himself in devoted love for you. For you. This is personal. I mean, if you enter in, you can kind of feel Ruth's love for Naomi. You can feel her being pushed away. Has that ever happened to you where somebody pushes you away? Right, where you want to talk to them, you want them to open up, and they won't. And Ruth is here, like, struggling to say, no, I'm not going anywhere. Right, you can imagine the scene there. You can imagine Ruth's love, and it presses through, and Naomi just finally gives up. And you know, we don't know that she's really received. She, there's almost some resignation there, right? She just said no more at the end of verse 18. And there's Ruth. Ruth and Naomi going back together. And Naomi doesn't even know it yet. Naomi doesn't even know it yet, but Ruth is going to save her. And in some ways, she already has. That's the kind of devotion that Jesus has personally for you. He opens his life. He opens his life. He comes to us in our bitterness and clings to us. And then, and then he sends us into other people's bitterness so that we can be there for them. Friends, this is, this is more than a story. Right? This is more than a story. This is a story of how God, um, how God loves us through each other. How God loves us through people. And it's like Christmas is more than just a story, right? It's the story of God loving us through a person. But to experience this as more than just a story, I mean, 
Again, you need to worship. You need to get to a place where you worship. Okay, I want you not just to simply experience Christmas. I don't want you to just to celebrate Christmas this year. I want you to worship. Right? The chorus of the famous Christmas song is, Oh, come, let us adore him. Come, let us adore him. I want you to worship. And one of the best ways to worship is to use the, the ACTS process, the A-C-T-S process. It's the prayer that we use in our city Bible reading, right? Our Bible reading journals, it sort of teaches us not just to read the Bible, they teach us how to meet God in the Bible with the A-C-T-S boxes. Um, it's what we do in our worship service with our prayer, our A-C-T-S prayer every week. Um, I want you to, to, to worship God. And so let's practice this. Let's do this because I want to make sure that you understand the acts of Christmas. If you want Christmas to mean something eternal for you this year, I would encourage you to pray, to take the stories that you've heard and the stories that you get to hear, and I want you to pray them through adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Right? How do we do this? Well, think about this story in relationship to Christmas. Right? Adoration means telling God how amazing he is. It means bowing down and worshiping him for who he is and what he does. Right? And so in this story, we see that God can be adored. God is the, is the, he's the provider. Right? Into the hunger, into the famine, God provides food. And so we can adore God. God, you give hope. The promise of food. Like he provides for us. We can worship him for that. But then more than that, God binds people's hearts together. The love that Ruth showed to Naomi, right, the love Ruth showed to Naomi comes from him. Comes from God. That is God-produced devotion and love. And so, and it's, when you think about where Naomi is, we can adore God, that God, even when we are far away, you come. As far away as we get from you, you come to us. And whether we are geographically far away, whether we feel like in the outward circumstances of our life we are far away from you, or if we're sitting in church and our hearts are cold, if we're sitting in church and we haven't heard from God in forever, God, you come. You come. And so that's adoration, right? To, to realize that God is the God who provides and who, who chases after us and comes to us exactly where we are. And then confession. Confession, this keeps us from succumbing to bitterness, Right? When we confess our sins, they don't stay in our hearts. They don't lodge within us. And so we can confess that we can confess our bitterness. God, I'm sorry. I've been bitter. God, I've carried bitterness in my own heart. Um, and it's turned into anger. It's turned into frustration with other people. God, this doesn't come from you and I hate it. I want to be done with it. God, I confess that I've been in circumstances where 
I'm convinced they can't get any better. Right? Where I've lost hope. I confess that I've lost hope. That I'm just like Naomi. Don't call me Stephen. Call me bitter. You know? It's how I feel, right? And so confession, is, it's, it's going to God and confessing. And then Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. God, thank you for Ruth. Uh, and not just for Ruth as a blessing to Naomi, but Jesus, thank you for coming and being Ruth for me. Thank you when I was pushing you away, when I was pushing others away, you came. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for being God with us. Right? I mean, it's remembering the good news that you didn't just come, but you came to save. And then supplication. This is where we ask God to change us and to transform us. So from this story, God, help me to face my past and my present. Right? Help me not to hide, but help me to be honest with you. Help me to be honest with select others about where I've been, about what I've said, what I've thought about you. Help me to let others be a Ruth to me. Help me to let others into my life. And then, God, please, with all my heart, I want to be Ruth to others. I want to see the hurt. I want to see the bitterness. I want to see the despair. And I want in some way to tell people that someone cares. God, make me that person. Put it on my heart, Lord. Who is it in my life? Who is it at home, maybe? Who is it in my workplace? Who is it in my community? Help me to be Ruth to them. I think about Christmas and all the gift giving. It's wonderful. It's wonderful as long as the gift giving is seen against the backdrop of what God has done. Right? God has given the greatest gift and we follow in his footsteps. And we give because of what we've received. And when I think about it that way, then Christmas becomes this amazing where God gives us this gift and then he makes us a gift to others. God wants you to receive his gift this Christmas so that you can be a gift to others. Because as you are a Ruth to others, as you are a gift to others, they then get to see God with them. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much we thank you that in this story we can find our story. And we thank you even more that in this story we find your story. Father, we do. We come in, in praise and adoration and we humble ourselves before you. 
And we do confess that we have let bitterness get control. Um, we have been afraid uh, to let other people in. We've isolated ourselves. And, and we thank you that you can speak, that today you speak into the deepest parts of who we are. And we're, we're letting you in. We are letting you in. And we ask that you would come. As Ruth was devoted to Naomi, Jesus, that you would come into our hearts and that you would speak your words of love and commitment to us. Make us gifts to others because we've received your gift. Let our presence over the next four weeks, let our presence show people what Christmas is all about. Thank you for the promises and for the promises that have come true for us in Jesus. And for those who are here and don't know you, Lord, help them to open themselves up. Help them to confess their bitterness and receive your gift, the gift of your death and resurrection. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.